Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. And today we've got something really special in store because because as you are listening to this, we are approaching this nation's uh, birthday. We are hitting up the 4th of July and I had to think of something that would be great for 4th of July. And of course, fortunately for me, I didn't have to do it because tonight's guest is the one that found the right movie. And returning to the show is a good friend. You've met him before. You love him. He's covered the entire Avengers series, and that would be Mr. Brandon Krisky. Brandon, how are you? Hey, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. Long time no see. How have you been? I know. Uh, really good. Very, uh, very exciting times uh, for me over here. Um, so really busy, but good busy and yeah um it's been good but you know i'm really excited because i've been looking forward to this uh this conversation for quite some time um so i'm pretty amped about it well wonderful now obviously those that subscribe they see the episode that we're talking about but maybe they came come stumbled across this blindly so what's the movie that we're going to talk about tonight so tonight uh we will be discussing one of my absolute favorite movies um the sandlot man such a good film uh, i mean i i don't know where to begin but i guess what we can do is i guess loosely just saying what the movie's about right and do you want to do it do you want me to ta- tackle it and you fill in you know, or? i'll, I'll kind of um because it's about so many different things right. so i'll kind of do a an overview of kind of the way i see it and i okay. maybe yeah. you do the same yeah um, for sure so, so it's for me, one of the quintessential, like growing up movies, at least for, for my age, um, you know, and it kind of touches on almost all the different things, um, that kids go through here in America, at least, uh, for you international listeners, thank you for joining us, um, Hey, I can hope. Uh, no, but it kind of touches on everything all balled up into one movie that uh, a growing up kid uh, in the U.S. And, you know, it was set in what, the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I grew up, you know, I was a kid in the 90s. And I think it kind of speaks to every single generation because it's, yeah, it's those, very timeless. Very. Yeah, timeless. It's, it's just one of those. I think that people if they're watching movies in a hundred years could watch it and still relate to it. Um, but essentially it's, it's a story about a, a group of kids, uh, that are all friends and, and, you know, growing up, most of we had, most of us had those, that just group of friends and it was summer. And so, you know, that of course is the best time of the year when you're growing up. Um, and it, and then, uh, a new kid moves. There's a lot of people that have moved in their childhood. I moved a couple times, Andrew, I'm sure, you know, you had quite a few different changes growing mm-hmm. up. Um, and how, how it is going in to somewhere new. And also on the flip side, it kind of covers how you receive people that are new. Um, and, and I think how people navigate not only creating new relationships, but, making room in their current ones growing up um, to kind of introduce people into a bigger circle, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, the movie does tackle a ton of different elements that anybody that would have been growing up, whether the 60s, whether the 40s, whether the the 90s or even modern day today, it does pick up on that. We do have a a central protagonist who we're we're tracking. We're tracking a narrator, and that is uh, Smalls. Scotty Smalls and picks up in the summer of 62 when he moves into a new neighborhood. He doesn't know anybody. He's been playing with like what, like an erector set or something Mm -hmm. like that. And his mom encourages him to go out and make friends. And, uh, he's a goof, you know, he's a goof. He doesn't know how to play catch. You know, he, you know, he, he didn't have his father around. He's got a new stepfather that's coming to play and he wants to be a kid. He does, but he doesn't really necessarily know how to, how to fit in. He's kind of clueless, <laughs> kind of clueless, kind of clueless. clueless. And, um, but yeah, he, he goes and 
plays baseball with these kids in in the neighborhood on the sandlot and he befriends them over over the course of the summer and they have their their adventures right i mean whether it's fourth of mm-hmm. july whether they're trying uh tobacco for the first time or whether they're going to the to the going pool. to a pool uh sleepover camp outs playing ball right just being kids being mm-hmm. being you know uh 11 to 13 14 year old kids and it's a it's certainly a fun ride i mean it you said that you're a kid of the 80s now when this movie would have came out i would have been or kid of the 90s rather when this movie came out i would have maybe just been like around benny the jets age or maybe a year older i think when this movie came out i was like 13 or 14 years old and uh it reminded me very much of the friendships that i had at that time you had said like moving around and i did you know i, I moved around quite a lot you know i was mm-hmm. born in a different mm-hmm. country and mm-hmm. you know i got americanized relatively early and like smalls i was dreadful at baseball like the first like the first six months of that mm-hmm. that i learned how to play the game and i got better it wasn't benny the jet that taught me how to play it was my grandfather and uh but it uh it, it's funny how like baseball does in any sport but like baseball because it's so inherently american and this movie mm-hmm. is so much about being an american boy right i mean specifically obviously there are females yes. in this but this is really about that boyhood friendship that you've got and how mm-hmm. baseball kind of like connects that. And it's, it's a sweet movie. I mean, this is it's very much in many ways, like the movie, a Christmas story, but instead of it about being at Christmas, it's about taking, you know, it's about baseball in the summer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think we're going to talk about those, that type of stuff tonight, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm so excited about talking about this movie. Um, Cause for the most part, that's, a lot of what I experienced on mm-hmm. both sides. And it just, I think what I love one thing about this movie and, and there's a lot of movies like this. Um, the, I, I think people underestimate the power of nostalgia mm. mm-hmm. because, you know, I have not watched this movie in a really long time, mm-hmm. years and years. Um, and even before I watched it recently, I remember the movie like it's yesterday, so it's like ingrained in me. Um, But watching it this time, it's been so long. It's been probably over 10 years that I've watched this movie. And where I'm at now is so much further away from a time standpoint and uh, and experience and all that kind of thing that I got to kind of watch it for the first time as an adult, too. And definitely a different viewing experience a little bit. Sure. Um, But honestly, you know, this came out in 1993, which so I was. Seven. Um, So, you know, I I watched it growing up multiple times and it just brought me right back there. Yeah. At the same time. So it's a pretty cool kind of movie, too. Oh, for sure. I mean, you you tapped in the the idea of nostalgia and. There's like this element of like good nostalgia and those films that just feel like they're like hamming it and laying it on. This movie, I think, does a really good job of making it feel very natural. It doesn't feel like uh, forced or anything. Now, granted, I think there are elements where the, the narration in the movie works and maybe sometimes where it doesn't necessarily work. But that the nostalgia that they're that they're using, it doesn't. Again, it doesn't feel forced. It, it, it feels like we we're, we're just getting the story of Smalls as an adult, like just looking back. At his at, a, at 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 that 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 sweet moment that we can all remember because we if you're an adult you you remember what it what it meant to be like one of these kids I mean this movie's kind of like Stand by Me but without the dead body and, uh, <laughs> and a little again, more uh, G rated a lot more G rated a lot a lot more G rated but you know it, it's it works it works and there. I reference a Christmas story because although the, the, there is kind of a, a linear plot where a Christmas story is just specifically tiny little vignettes from one scene to the next, mm-hmm. this movie does also kind of operate a little bit like like that. Because I mean, it's not one specific plot line that we're following. I mean, we're, we're just following the course of summer and what happens during the summer, right? And then mm-hmm. there's really no conflict that truly exists in the movie until 
the back half of the film when the ball goes over, you know, over the fence. Yep. And of course, a little minor conflict when, you know, uh, Squints uh, lays uh, the kiss on Wendy Peppercorn. But yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, that's, and then the, the, the baseball game against the rival team. But again, yep. those are like small moments, right? I mean, those are like small little scenes, but the big conflict, it doesn't carry the plot forward. It's just something that happens in the back half. And uh, yeah, it crushes those expectations, too. And and I think what makes the movie so good and you know earlier when i was talking about you know movies that you watch that just bring up a lot of nostalgia all the 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 specific movie i was thinking about was um forrest gump and you just said something that actually kind of you know there there there's not one major conflict it's it's just the story of Forrest Gump or it's just the story of the Sandlot. And it's just that there doesn't need to be a conflict. No, and no, I think no. that's and pretty that, cool. Yeah, and that's not the position that I'm you know, trying to make. It's just it, it's something that, again, it just like Forrest Gump. Yeah, it just also kind of operates by like little vignettes and different things where Forrest Gump in college, Forrest Gump in Vietnam, Forrest Gump with a with a fishing boat. You know, like it's uh, Lieutenant Dan, <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. Right. But I mean, this movie, it's it's so charming. And I mean, it's a simple, simple story at the end of the day. Right. I mean, it's it, it's not overtly complicated. But that being said, there are those 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 themes that you can take, you know, take out, of, you know, talk about. You can talk about the coming of age element. You can talk right. about the nostalgia. Yep. yep. Um, there are a lot of deeper you know um themes at play sure the just the, mm-hmm. the relationship of this boy trying to connect it with his his new stepfather mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he didn't have his birth father anymore and now trying to find some type of connection so and his stepfather is a little bit of um i'm not gonna say he's a jerk because he's not necessarily a jerk and, and he's not necessarily disinterested but it, it's all through the perspective of this kid right and so there is this this element of his stepdad's kind of like an alien to him. You know, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to how to talk to him and he'll say his name and then he'll be like dad. And he's like, well, that doesn't sound right either. And 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 just the way that he's trying to interact with them. So, I mean, that in itself is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think so kind of back to a little bit I, I just wanted to say back to a little bit about this the movie um mm. i would say for those of you that may have not seen it um and i'm just looking over some of the notes that we had talked about um you know it's a coming of age movie right it's a nostalgia movie um what are some of your other favorite of those you know that uh. those kind of genres yeah, I mean, because yeah, when you watch this movie, it's easy to connect other movies that existed, right? I mean, I inherently, when I think of summer adventures with boys, I'm going to immediately go to Stand By Me because that, that to me is my Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. of coming of age boys adventure films. But I mean, there are there are countless others. So to say, name a list. We'll be here forever. We'll be oh, here. Oh yeah, no, like a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but off the top of my head, one same same concept. Yes, yeah, so yeah. stand by me. I do obviously love. I think kid adventure movies like the Goonies or the Monster mm-hmm. Squad. Those mm-hmm. are a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's um a a horror like not really even a horror. It's like a kid style horror film, but it's a lady. It's a movie called Lady in White, and it was an '80s movie, and it's about a writer and. He's telling a story when he was a kid. Normally, he he went. Um, he was visiting back home, and he, he, they stopped by like a cemetery. And he was looking at this uh, this tombstone, and it made him think back to when he was a kid. And it goes back to Halloween when he was when he was a kid, and mm. he was left in a like a cloak room one night, and he saw a ghost, and he uncovers this mystery over time. And um, and again, you just have a a. a a storyteller narrating it. And yeah. so I think of that type of, and just a really, really fun eighties, like kid scary movie. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I'm sure I'm, over the course of this conversation, I'll probably think of like another, like 10 or so, but those are, that's what I've got. What about you? Um, 
from like a coming of age and like that type of movie, I think of. I mean, I think of the Sandlot. Honestly, that's probably that'd probably be my uh, one of the top ones. Of course, you know mm-hmm. we're talking about it. Um, I also think about movies like, and it might not be coming of age, but more in the nostalgia section, mm-hmm. um, like Jumanji. Uh, yeah. Just, but that's like growing up, right? So it's yeah. going to be different. Um, but I'd say, you know, nostalgia big time would be Forrest Gump. That's probably one of the ones that uh, I remember watching, Mm -hmm. you know, it was what 94. So I was young, but Mm -hmm. I I remember just being captivated. I don't think I didn't watch it at the age of eight, but when I did watch it a few years later, um, I just remember how it kind of imprinted on me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when I always think of like nostalgia wise Uh, coming of age, you know, I was trying to rack my head and uh, I really keep going back to ones of, you know, just kids. So I'll probably have to come back to that. Um, I was thinking about uh, like the little rascals and that yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that I'd really say that's coming of age. I mean, it's still like a kid adventure story. Yeah. Not, yeah so, yeah. Um, or Hook. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hook is probably one of my favorite, you know, growing up movies and one that I could go back and watch today mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. still really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to park that for a few seconds while I think of some more movies. But just to speak a little bit more to this film that we're discussing, obviously sure. this movie is loaded with really like incredible scenes or vignettes or whatnot. Do you have a favorite is like like a favorite moment from the film or a favorite scene that you think of? There's a handful of them. So, like, of course, um, once they have to, towards the end of the movie or, or whatever, that they end up uh, going to get going into the yard and everything. Right. Um, and and going in and talking to what was the character's name? Um, was it James Earl Jones's? What? Like yeah, Mr. that's Myrtle? what I'm trying to. What's it? Was it Mr. Maybe. either way um yeah Mm. so when when they go in and and he's talking about everything and showing them you know all the old photos and cards and everything like that that's probably one of my favorites um the other ones i really loved was uh when they were on the not the ferris wheel the uh Oh, were there like the carnival thing though? Yeah, the carnival. Um, when they had tried the chewing tobacco. Yeah. Um, that was one of my favorites. And then probably the one I remember when you say Sandlot the most is probably uh when they're making the s'mores and telling the you know, going <laughs> through all smalls. that. Yeah, you're killing me smalls and you know, some I've heard people say that that they don't even know where it's from. Right. I mean, it's you just know? ingrained in part of like, <laughs> yeah. our society. Like you're killing me, Smalls. People, it's what it's now. It's now become bigger than what it came from. Just like, for example, um, the song Seven Nation Army" by the White Stripes. Everybody in the world knows that beat, and they might not necessarily know. Who sings it? You hear it at every single oh, you mean the event. Like again, it's transcended mm-hmm. what what that what that song really was. You, you right. can't you cannot go to a sporting event without hearing that song. I mean, it's played everywhere in Europe, like like Spanish league soccer. Is it really? Yeah, everywhere. It's I mean. It's played all That's the time. That's pretty awesome. It's just that beat. And you know, people have no idea where mm-hmm. that even comes from. And just like, you're yeah. killing me, small is just yeah, he, enough, is, is one of those things that, yeah. but yeah. So, I mean, all those scenes were really great. Obviously a couple of things that I want to unpack from that is the, the, the carnival, like trying tobacco for the first time. Again, if you're a boy, there's a good chance as a kid, you you definitely did dabble, whether like uh, doing chewing tobacco or you had a buddy that stole like your like stole their like mother or like grandmother's like Virginia Slims or some like, you know, like stole like a cigarette or something. You and know, had you tried? I've never done chewing tobacco, but when I was in middle school, so around this time, quite frankly, uh, I had a buddy 
his name was uh, Rich, and uh, that's Sorry, literally Rich. what he did. He stole like his mother or like his grandmother's like Virginia Slims or some bullshit like cigarette. And that's funny. Yeah, I tried cigarettes for the first time when I was like seventh that's, grade. That's funny. Yeah. It didn't stick. It didn't stick for me. No, I uh, let me think. Me, I don't. I never tried a cigarette until I was probably about twenty. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So. I used to love, you know, we used to do film and stuff in in middle school and high school. And so we would roll up pieces of paper, <laughs> and light them on fire, mm-hmm. blow them out for our character development. You know, of we yeah. So, um, no, I actually didn't try tobacco until then. Um, but it was something that's very prevalent. You know, you see people doing it. So. It, there are plenty of people around me trying it and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still relatable, even if it's not tobacco, just like uh, having that older girl crush or, oh God, um, yeah. uh, you know, telling scary stories, um, just anything, mm-hmm. you know, coming up with these wild, fantastical, you know, I don't even know if that's a word, but uh, stories behind things um, like the beast. You know, those mm-hmm. kind of things. So yeah, you, yeah, I mean, shit like, yeah, whether, you know, uh, seeing the, the older girl or any girl that you crushed on for the first time. And are you going to do anything about it? Are you going to make a move, right. you know, on the yep. girl? Are you going to, mm-hmm. are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. And nobody ever does it except for squints. Squints is, squints is the man. <laughs> He's the man. I mean, now he might be charged with like sexual assault for <laughs> faking drowning to kiss a girl uh you know he was too young to catch a charge but you can't be doing that man <laughs> can't be doing that can't be no, getting away but, hey, that. but yeah it, it was every little boy's dream to just you know whatever their crush was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love that moment that when he does get out and they're all worried about him and he just like like opens his eyes and smiles at them and hey, they all kind of like take a step back yeah. and wait, what was and that? Like, and, yep, and then he's and then just like, this magic moment. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's such a funny scene. That's oh, a great scene, man. Um, we, so like when I think of this movie, I really do specifically go back to the year of like 1993, 1994, when I've been like 13, 14 years old, right before high school, you know, so this would like seventh and eighth grade. And we 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 had like a uh, like a townhouse. We lived in this giant community and a lot of people had like single family homes and there were like townhouses, but we had a community pool and there were a group of us. There was my friend Rich. There was this guy. Uh, Charlie Morgan or Chucky, as some of mm-hmm. us uh, used to call him. There was a guy by the name of like Dave Boucher and Brian Means and a couple other guys in the, in the neighborhood. And mm-hmm. we all would just go to the like the swimming pool. But I remember mm-hmm. this one time we had this uh, a friend. Her name was Jen. And she dared us to jump off the roof of kind of like the little clubhouse into the pool. Horrible and idea. <laughs> horrible idea bad idea of course we did it and we succeeded yeah, yeah. But poor charlie decided that he wanted to try to skateboard down the roof and jump oh, into the pool. didn't quite didn't quite stick the landing i think he broke an ankle maybe two ankles <laughs> you know what do you expect yeah mm-hmm. just just stupid hey at least he tried though yeah exactly at least he tried yeah yeah and Jackie, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there, we there was just like a group of us that yeah. you know we those summers, um, yeah. or shit, even if it wasn't the summers, because I mean, a lot of time I would go back home, uh, back home being Bermuda. Mm-hmm. But over the course of the school year and just uh, riding our bikes and and getting into like yep. these little neighborhood misadventures, and it, it was just it's yep. just such a part oh, of man. that that transition from being a kid into being like an like an adolescent, and yeah. You just look back on those memories so, so oh, yeah. fondly. Yep. I can, I can, you know, remember it like it was yesterday. Do you have any fun stories that you think of? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, so we moved um, kind of this period of time. We were leave it, living in Minnesota 
um, through my fifth grade year. And then when I went down to middle school, which is kind of towards where you're getting out of that mm-hmm. um, a little bit, um, we moved here to Georgia. But man, I, in Minnesota, we lived in a neighborhood and, you know, it was a pretty big neighborhood. Lots of kids. Um, in fact, on our, we lived in a cul-de-sac and there were probably 10 houses. I think between the 10 houses, there were like 15 kids all within the, you know, I'd say 10, 10 of them in the age range of seven to 13 Mm -hmm. all on this one cul-de-sac. Yeah. Right. So, um, there were, you know, to the right of me, there, there was the Brunworths. Matt lived over there. Uh, the Gregory's, there were three boys there, the key Watts, there were, um, a boy and a girl, the Sondergaards, which were my other next door neighbors. There was a boy and a girl. There were the Bartholomews, um, which there were two boys and, and there were, you know, some other kids that were younger and that kind of thing, but yeah, I mean, we were thick as thieves. Um, mm. It was me and, and you know, I have three younger brothers, one of them being about a year and a half younger than me. So we were in that same age range. And yeah, it was almost exactly like the Sandlot. Um, mm. We even had like a new kid move in town. His name was uh, Michael Falcone and his little brother. Uh, and they kind of became part of our group uh, right around the corner. And yeah, we went on a, so many adventures uh, in Minnesota. There's so many lakes and this is still back. And you'll remember this when you, our parents would just, you know, hey, go out. You know, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. Right. Just go. And when the light street lights start coming on, you guys come home. <laughs> It's or you might have... even think that, yeah. right? Like that's yeah. not how things are today. Like no, you, no, you do not trust. Somebody kids. does that, you you look at them like they're crazy, mm-hmm. you know. And the I don't know that the kids really have changed that much. I think it's the world around us, right? But either way, uh, yeah, we would go to all these different lakes, and we would. Um, go fishing or we would go in the swamp and try to find frogs or we would uh, have our baseball games. You know, we were, we were close enough to the school where we would just ride our bike to school um, mm-hmm. through the neighborhoods because yeah. they were all connected. It was yeah. kind of cool. It, it, and, and as we went to school, our crew got a little bigger, you know, everybody would just come out and we'd all go together. Um, and then living in Minnesota, we had, uh, the frozen lakes too. So we do a lot of hockey and stuff, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we went on adventures. We, at one point, I think we concocted this story that somewhere back in these deep woods were like, was the, this like treasure cave. And we just like every day would go a little deeper, you know? And, and, yeah. and my childhood was very colorful, you know, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in part, that's why I look back on this movie so fondly too, because that was when it was going on. You know, yeah, and, and to use and to use like a baseball pun, that's why this movie is a home run. Right. I mean, it does. It's a simple story. The reason why Christmas story works today is because even if you don't necessarily celebrate Christmas or maybe, you know, maybe maybe you're Jewish or or, you know, whatever, you can still relate to being a kid and the bully in school or being excited about something and obsessing over that something that present that maybe it's for your birthday or whatever. You know, um, your 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 parents' weird relationships that they have. I mean, you can, you can connect that. And with this movie, this movie is literally about those those just fun adventures that that you have as a kid, right? I mean, having a tree fort, doing campouts, slumber parties, things like that. And and I think there's a lot of other stuff in the movie like that too, you know, like uh, overcoming fears or, mm-hmm. you know, banding together to overcome a fear or just even if it's just nonsense. Right. right. But no, I'm just thinking about how much I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. The overcoming fear, one of the big fears and which is, again, another thing that you can relate to as a kid is that that irrational fear of being terrified of the neighbor or the neighbor's dog, you know, without completely unfounded in, in many cases. Now, sometimes maybe it is an evil dog that will eat you. I mean, that was a big dog. 
I mean, yeah, that dog Hercules? thing is a mastiff, maybe. I don't, I, I, yeah. yeah, Hercules. Yeah, Hercules. Hercules. But the the central conflict, just to kind of like tie into the plot, is they run. They run. Uh, Ham hits the ball over the fence. They're out of a. They're out of a ball. And Smalls is like, well, shit, I. I've got a ball at the house. I've been, you know, my, my, my stepdad has a ball. I'll yep. go over there. Yeah. Goes over there. They've been playing with it. Smalls connects one, with one. And, you know, I have a hard time believing that Smalls would connect and, and, and drill a ball over a fence, but Hey, whatever. It was a stand in. It was a stand in. <laughs> it was a stand in. And he was like, Oh shit. You know, that was my stepfather's ball. He's going to kill it. It was signed by somebody, baby, baby Ruth. And that's when, he has that connection that the character that they've been talking about all movie long, the Sultan of SWAT, Colossus of Clout. Yep. Great Bambino. They're all the same person in Babe Ruth. And it yeah. just completely rocks his world and completely unsettles him. And now they have to devise a plan. Yeah. And to get that and, ball back. And for what it's worth, you know, for anybody that might not know, which is probably un- probably unlikely, but for for anybody who may not know, Babe Ruth is considered the greatest b- baseball player of all time, and one of the most like <laughs> iconic Americans, mm-hmm. I guess. With you know, um, in pop culture, mm-hmm. with the importance of sports, I would say out of most people, yeah. Because I mean, baseball is a really interesting sport. I mean, all well, sports are interesting, but it's it's interesting in that obviously it's this country's quote national pastime, but it's a sport that statistics are so vital to the lore, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He was the guy that, that set all the important benchmark statistics, most home runs in a season for a time, you know, mm-hmm. most career home runs, most, you know, the highest like on base percentage, slugging percentage, all these like monumental statistics. He held them forever. And it's even more ridiculous when you like narrow down the fact that he came into the big leagues as a pitcher and he was a damn good pitcher to start, you know, like he's the the only like 20 game winner in a season who also Uh led the league in home runs, you know, like he, he was larger than life. He was the Colossus of clout, you know, if not the, certainly the, again, to use a Mount Rushmore analogy again, he's on the Mount Rushmore. He's certainly, if not these, among the top five greatest baseball players to ever exist. And the kid loses that fucking baseball, pardon my French. But I mean, it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, how are you going to lose that ball? And. And you got to uh, get so, it back. <laughs> so what? You got to get it back. You got to get it back. And then that, that that right there, that is your central conflict. They now have to have to do battle with the beast and it ties into Benny, the jet Rodriguez and his, uh, his speed, you know, his ability to hop the fence, grab the ball and hop the fence back and only for Hercules to come barreling through the fence. And we've got this great chase. And, uh, what was the song? Was it white Wipeout? Right. That was uh, the song that they're, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I you, think so. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Wipe out over the kind of like the montage where he's being chased all throughout town by Hercules. Yep. And, and keep in mind, you know, we were calling him Hercules now, but at the time it was just, he the, was beast. just the beast. And the beast. he was the, he had been built up as this demon dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I, what I love about that part too is, you know, growing up, everything to us is bigger mm-hmm. because it's either the first time we've experienced it or, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with your imagination. You know, kids um, let their imagination run wild. And that's what's so awesome about childhood is mm-hmm. that you're able to do that. And so when they're, they think it's the end of the world, right? Like it is they the end are of world. ready to just call it quits, you know, like mm-hmm. he thought he was, he was done for. Um, now it is signed by Babe Ruth. So I can't say what would have happened to him, you know, <laughs> but he's fine. Right. But but either way, you know, just about the beast and 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 
being so scared uh, to talk to this girl or uh, this dog and these stories about the beast and, and um, how important the baseball games are and, and all this stuff, you know, but in their world, that's everything. It's everything. So we're, we we're worried about the beast, but then also the guy that owns the beast. We, we, when we finally meet him, it's James Earl Jones, and he, he, you know, he was a former baseball player, you know, now blind, and yep. he wanted to hear the story of like, you know, tell me about this baseball, and he found out who it mm-hmm. is, and he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's like, oh no, he's like, you're, you're not just in trouble, you're dead where you stand, and yep, but he gives him that ultimate, ultimate uh, trade, which is the busted up uh, Babe Ruth baseball with one that's signed by the entire twenty seven Yankees, yep. which if you don't know baseball arguably the greatest baseball team ever constructed in the history mm-hmm. of the sport is at 27 mm-hmm. Yankees. And, mm-hmm. and he, he offers the baseball signed by everybody. Not a bad, not a bad trade. I mean, you're, you're in the collection business now. I mean, that, that's a, that's, that's a trade you'd probably take, right? I mean, you know, a Babe Ruth sign ball is hard to put a price on. So a, a ball like that, I mean, so I'll say this. In 2018, in in March of 2018, one sold um, for about 125,000. So now, um, with the increase in the market and the heavier investments into collectibles in just that whole segment, I mean, honest, honestly, you're probably looking at two to three million. You think? Uh, yeah wow all right yeah there were there's cards that were selling three years ago you know granted they've come down because i think a lot of it was boosted by covid and that kind of thing too but there's definitely a a huge increase in just collect collectors in general any type of collectible um but there were cards uh that this guy bought a uh uh, mickey mantle for ten thousand dollars in no i'm sorry it was uh thirty thousand dollars in i want to say it was 2015 it sold at auction for like 1.2 million something like that a few a few like two years ago something like that so yeah it's it's completely insane um but yeah at this point i have no idea what that would be worth probably in the millions i would imagine now how long have you been collecting um so I, I collect a lot of different things. Um, I collect movie props. I collect, uh, I do, you know, a lot of basketball cards and that kind of thing. I, I have always collected something. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there have been times that I've stepped away from sports cards or, you know, memorabilia or movie props and that type of thing. But that's only when I want to take a step back. So, and maybe focus on another hobby or collectible that I'm doing. Um, and for me, I like it because while it's always around me, whenever I kind of step back from something I have, when I go back, it's new again. Right. You know, as far as the excitement and that type of thing. Um, but I would say for, for currently I've been collecting like movie props and memorabilia as well as sports cards for probably together the last five or six years. Okay. Okay, cool. (laughs) Cool. Again, um, just like he had no idea what he had done, uh, at first. And then his world was over. Um, he got this other ball and it's almost like he he was able to grow up a little bit, too, because it was mm-hmm. kind of towards the end as they started wrapping up a lot of it. Um, I would say it's kind of a cool little transition too. I on the on the show, I always talk about the the hero's journey and the hero's mm-hmm. journey is just the, the the trials and tribulations that our protagonist must go through before the end of the the movie or end of the story is kind of anointed as the hero mm-hmm. and. The only way that really ever happens is when you come back with something. So in the case of Star Wars, uh, Luke Skywalker comes you know, back after not only rescuing the princess, but then defeating the Death Star. Right. So like you, he 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 amassed that. 
the Avengers, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, uh, taking down Thanos, you know, coming back, you know, like uh, Iron Man, like basically bringing everybody back, you know, that whole notion of we're going to say at what cost? Exactly. <laughs> at what cost, what cost, right? So you, you, you come back and it's a return, right? There's like this return that happens at the end yeah. of every hero's journey. So in this case, the return that Smalls has is he goes back to his stepfather and he gives him this new ball because he busted up the old ball. And now he and his stepfather, there's a new connection that mm -hmm. that is that is there. So he's now able to now have a, a true relationship with with this new guy, this the stepfather who's mm -hmm. so there there is there is some thematic elements and there is importance to that, which gives the movie a little bit more weight and substance to just being, you know, just a little like a little fun adventure, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it is a little impactful. And of course, Dennis Leary plays a great, great stepdad in this movie. I mean, I think everybody we haven't really even mentioned the cast or why don't we do that? Because there were, you know, at least a couple of people that came out of it um, or were like, for example, James Earl Jones, like, right. Awesome. <laughs> you know? I mean, Wait, so what year did he was uh, Mufasa too, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, James did Earl that Jones. that come out in 93? Uh, that was a good year for him. Was, was in the or was 94. And, Hold on. You know, if he was in the Sandlot one year and then Lion King the next, talk about a good back to back year. Not a bad one-two punch. 1994. Yeah, look at that. All right, let's see. So cast, I mean, the big names, obviously, that you're going to have is going to be James Earl Jones. You're going to have Dennis Leary as Bill, the stepfather. The mom is played by Karen Allen. Karen Allen was in like the uh, Indiana Jones movies. Um, Wendy Peffercorn uh, was played by Marley Shelton. And Marley Shelton was in, you know, she's never really been like an A-list, but she's had a steady career her entire mm -hmm. entire career. And then. The, the the teammates, I, I couldn't tell you, like in real life, who Smalls is. I know what his name is. I, I know who uh, Ham's name is, but I, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you Squints, like you know um, what he's done, or yeah, yeah, or so, uh, pardon me. No, I'm looking at uh, Smalls. He was in a uh, Black Hawk Down, okay. Mystic River, Revenant. Um, let's see what, who else am I thinking of? Ooh, the, the narrator, actually, this is interesting. So the narrator of the movie, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the narrator of the film is not the same smalls who is commentating at the baseball game. The, the because you know how smalls at the end is like a yeah. commentator for like a baseball, yep. he's wearing his hat and everything. That actor, the actor that we see at the end is an actor by the name of Arliss Howard and Arliss Howard, it's just been a character actor that's been around forever. Mm -hmm. But the narrator is actually the director of this movie. Uh, David Mickey Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mickey Evans. Or uh, David. Is it David Mickey Evans? David Mickey Evans. Yeah. Um, so, I, I just Googled it. Yeah. So so David Evans, uh, was the, this was actually his first film that he directed. I think he also wrote it too. And he also had written Radio Flyer, which was another another like nostalgia uh piece. that was a great movie it's a fun movie it's a fun movie so that's a nice little one too what was Those it flight of the navigator oh not nav yeah compliance um yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, man i love that one too but yeah so david mickey evans this was his first movie that he directed but he also narrated originally arliss howard was supposed to narrate the movie as well but arliss howard's accent apparently was just a little a little too southern when obviously Smalls' character is uh, a California boy, because this movie takes place in, in you know in California, as we mm -hmm. should probably recognize as Benny is wearing his L.A. Dodgers uh, hat all throughout the movie, and then he ends up playing on the Dodgers. Oh, another fun fact: both the young Benny the Jet and the older version are real life brothers, which is kind of cool. So the the kid Benny and the adult Benny. Uh, were played by brothers, which is the Vitar brothers. Mm -hmm. You got Pablo. I, I might be saying the last name wrong, but um, Pablo and Mike Vitar. Yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds right. He was in two of the Mighty Ducks. Was he? Okay. Benny. Yeah, he was Luis Mendoza. Huh. Huh. From L.A., I think. 
what the I'm trying to think like I know I've seen Kenny um in other stuff but I off the top of my head I don't know um oh he was in uh people under the stairs is a movie that I know that he was in and I think he was in the mighty ducks but that's all I can really think of with with Kenny is the Sandlot, people under the stairs, and I'm, I'm like without cheating. I'm trying not to cheat, but I think he was also in uh, the Mighty Ducks. Wait, who is this? Kenny, the pitcher. Oh, um, maybe I'd have to take a look. Well, because I want to say like I remember him, like Kenny's character, like nudging, um. The the new kid that joins the docks, the one that was playing for the other. Oh, the, Adam Banks was no, not Adam Banks. It was he was on the other like the other team, but he came over because it was like, oh. the districting and they're like, we don't want to play with him. And they like and like he like nudges him. I want to say that's him. I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway, for the listener, very, very riveting entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, high caliber uh, stuff going on here now at the outset because i i know we're, we're wrapping up time here but at the outset we also talked about the fact this is still a fourth of july movie and this is a fourth of july episode that's coming out so i'm curious man uh what are you know what are some fourth of july memories that you have or what do you like to do on fourth of july or do you have a favorite fourth of july movie i just want to kind of transition into this portion for talking about the yeah absolutely um I think that I think that, you know, as far as growing up, we always, you know, we always had at least a couple small fireworks and that kind of thing. My dad loved um, even here in Georgia when it was like, I guess, illegal or whatever, loved to go over to Tennessee and we didn't <laughs> buy the big mortar rounds and stuff like that. Um, uh, so we always did that, you know, and um, once we moved to georgia uh we had a pool in the backyard so we would always have people over for that and grill and that type of thing in minnesota it was since we had so many kids on that street we just had a big you know big block party um nowadays honestly a lot of the times i'll stay in or maybe go over to a friend's house Mm um but you know at least where we live, there's a lot of fireworks and we got dogs. So we just try to kind of hang out with them now. Right. Or if we're going to go over to a friend's pool party or something, we'll drop them off um, up in Roswell. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, growing up, yeah, it was really just honestly outside of the carnival and that kind of thing. You know, it was fireworks and running around when our parents were hanging out with their friends, you know, having a beer or whatever. And, and just staying up late, all that kind of stuff. It was, it was just it, pr- very similar to the movie. It's one of the another like magical moment when they have like their night game. And uh, and the reason why they're able to have a night game is because of the fireworks. And that it all coincides yep. with the 4th of July. And and uh, just like the awe and the amazement that they have over that entire experience. And it's, uh, again, just riddled with... Uh, or littered with a uh, nostalgia and, but done in just such a fun, a fun, enjoyable, like innocent way. I mean, this movie is very wholesome. I know we've made the jokes about it, Spence, is. but this is an extremely wholesome, like this is a movie that you could show to anybody of any age, even though they may drop uh, a potty word here or there. I, I can't even remember if anybody says any, any profanity in this? I, I, I probably mean, I would, not. Yeah, probably not. I mean, it seems like something that Ham would do, but I don't know. Actually, I don't it seems think like so. something Squints would do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. So I guess that would be my my question to you: Is who of of the gang who do you who do you think you identify most mostly with? Um. Probably the most with Smalls. With Smalls. Yeah. um, Just because, you know, we moved a couple times, so I was the new kid a couple times. And especially when we moved from Minnesota to um, here in Georgia, 
the culture was just so different. Mm. Um, and the trends down here were totally different and all that stuff. Um, I'll say anything, anything that comes to mind. Uh, let me think. Well, I mean, this one, and this is just a, I think general statement probably from North or mid Midwest or North to South is college football is huge oh. here. You, like, I didn't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Religion uh, yes, but for example, when we were, do you remember Tamagotchis? Uh, I know them. I mean, they, they came around like post, right? Like, yeah. Post but you're COVID, aware but of them, right? about them. Yeah. Well, like in Minnesota, when I was up there, they were huge. And when I came down here, we were talking about it and either had, it had already happened or, um, or it just wasn't that as big, mm-hmm. something like that. But they were like really into pogs, which are these like little cardboard circles that you would stack and throw like a, a piece of plastic on it <laughs> and make them flip over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like not a thing at all in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's that is probably the biggest thing. And then I think a lot of it was just finding you know a group of friends right and did and you play, did you did you guys have like a neighborhood uh pickup baseball league or anything like that just uh, like within the neighborhood if you like you'd have a like a two-on-two or anything like, like in that. georgia yeah or anywhere um i mean in 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 minnesota we we were always playing something mm-hmm. we had oh, our own little hockey, team right? yeah hockey in the winter we'd play uh football on the side of the gregory's yard uh we would ride our bikes over to the the uh the the school um the elementary school that we went to and we would play our baseball games and that kind of thing um when we came down here it was definitely a lot different um not as much sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did other things, you know, we played some street hockey, Yeah, but that was later on. Um, it was just very different. So kind of just learning all these new things, just like Smalls is learning how to throw a baseball and that kind of thing. One um, of the most cringe worthy moments yeah, was I mean, uh, him trying to throw a baseball for the first time, like, and just everybody looking at him and then he just walked up and just dropped the dropped the ball like like over to Kenny and like Kenny just been like yep. what the fuck with that hat yeah and that hat man what is what did he say he's like he's like smalls you you guys have a fireplace <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no i mean it was it was you know so i can relate with being a new, new kid and mm-hmm. and but also on the flip side after I moved to Georgia, we kind of formed our own little group of friends after mm-hmm. a while. And I remember being in that group of friends when that new person got there. Right. You know, so I could see both sides of it. But, it, you know, it being more about Smalls's journey, it, I think, yeah, definitely relate to him the most. How about you? Um, I mean, we... So when I finally picked up baseball, I never, I never relinquished it, you know, like, so when I, I, w- I first discovered baseball at eight and I joined, joined a league and I was terrible. I think, you know, I would have played the outfield somewhere and wouldn't play like the entire game. You know, I would be one of those people that, mm-hmm. all right, put in, put in, put in little Andrew Stamper, let him play for, you know, a couple innings or whatever. And Cause I was a really good soccer player. Yeah. And I really actually wasn't even all that bad at basketball. I mean, I was, you know, shorter, but never really mattered. I could, I could shoot a ball, you know, I mean, at, at that age, you right. know, nobody's jamming anyway. Right. But, um, but baseball, it, I discovered, you know, later than the, the other kids in my school, because everybody was playing that, that's what they were all obsessed with. And I'm like, well, I want to play that too. And yeah. didn't, didn't really do uh, very well. And then, that summer, you know, went back, went to Bermuda and just hanging out with my grandfather because my grandfather was American and he, you know, he had met a Bermudian and he, you know, he had spent, you know, several decades living in Bermuda and 
my father being born and raised in Bermuda, he didn't really know anything about baseball himself. You know, he taught me soccer. That's what he played. That's what mm-hmm. he knew. That was his life. But my, my American grandfather, he, he taught me how to throw a ball, how to, how to hit. So when the next baseball season came around, it was completely different. You know, I, I finally got it. I knew what I was doing and I was no longer the, 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 the kid that would get a couple of innings. I was now the kid that yeah. was leading off, you know, which, right. you know, so just went from that, you know, the, the most improved, which is a, a fun, but shitty honor to be bestowed. <laughs> Cause that means um, you sucked at a point. It means you really suck. <laughs> yeah. And like, man, he got a lot better. Oh yeah. yeah. He learned how to catch a ball. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, just within the neighborhood, just, you yeah. know, we would have a couple people and we would, we would play like one-on-one or two-on-two baseball mm-hmm. and, and uh, played it all the time. I mean, but we played everything, you know, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. We would have basically like a two-on-one like football game, right? So like one person would be quarterback and offense and defense and yep. like everything, like every everything imaginable. And it would, didn't matter which neighborhood I lived in because my mom was kind of like nomadic. We would live in a neighborhood for a year or two and then move to another neighborhood and live there for a year or two. And mm-hmm. But um, I, I think about this movie and what this movie does really well is how we grow up and how we grow apart. You know, I mean, you know, the narrative talks about how this person did that, this person did this, but he's now, you know, a baseball commentator and he's watching Benny the Jet, you know, like toward the end of his career. And, you know, he, he watches Benny, you know, steal home. And it, it's kind of it's kind of fun that they, they still have that moment. I was trying to think. Mm-hmm of my childhood friends and stand by me is like this as well. I mean, as you grow up, you grow apart. Right. And I'm just trying to think of, of those friends that you have as a kid. And the line in stand by me is that, you know, like you never have friends like the ones that you had when, when you were like 12 years old. And I think about that. And it's so true though. I love the friends I have now and the relationships and, and, and the things that you have, but the, the experiences are so different, right? So different. And I'm just trying to think of, if I'm still friends with, you know, the, the very few that I still connect with at, at that age mm-hmm. that I now connect with as a, as a dad, that's you right. know, just on the other side of 40, uh, you know, so it's just, it, it's different. I'm just kind of curious. Do, do you still connect? Do you still have friendships with any of those, those kids that you had at like 12, 13? I do. Um, they're so, uh, my buddy VJ and, um, my buddy Colin and you know, Colin, uh, he's married. He just had a baby this year or this past year in the, in the past year. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and his career, my career took different paths. Social circles weren't the same, you know, outside of middle school, really. Cause even in high school, we went to high school together and we were always friends, but, we kind of intermingled, but mm-hmm. weren't in the same circles. Um, but we we were always friends. We always just maintained that connection. Um, he stood up to my wedding. I stood up to his. And um, but, you know, definitely like we don't talk very often. Mm-hmm. Um, even VJ, who. From really high school, all of high school, through college, through me getting married, um, been my best friend and I don't get to see him or talk to him as much as I'd like. Um, but then, yeah, there, there are definitely some people that I grew completely away from. Mm-hmm. Haven't talked to them in 15 years, maybe. Right. Um, but they were, they played such a crucial part of my childhood that extreme. Like, yeah. uh, I, if I saw them tomorrow, could we talk about the things now? Maybe not, you know, we're different people now, but Mm -hmm. we could always talk about those times. And and just like me, you know, for those people, hopefully um, those were some of their fondest memories growing up and that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, I do have a hand, you know, two, maybe three people that I do keep in pretty good touch with um, from those years, but for the most part, not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think m- the majority of my friends I've developed, um, you know, through a few from my early twenties, but 
I think as you go through life, you have, you know, not everybody has to be in your life for your whole life. Right. Um, they're there when they're supposed to be. And mm-hmm. that doesn't take anything away from the importance in your story. Well said. I think. Yeah, no, well said. I think that that's that's a good little button, but we're not going to end the show on that because <laughs> My you friend. can just cut it and put it to the end. Exactly. Just cut that and put that Wait, You got You got a bunch of questions for me? I Well, I mean, I don't have a oh, – but I've got a few. we got to put you oh, on there. I'm but fail. before I do, I just have to do a couple little quick statistics on the movie. So because I always do. This movie, obviously, as we mentioned, came out in 1993. On Rotten Tomatoes, it carries a 64% uh, tomato meter, which means it's on the fresh side. Critics. That's a garbage rating. It is a garbage rating. Audiences. That's bullshit. The audience are far more favorable at 89%. Okay. All right. Okay. So they know what they're talking about. Yeah. But I do want to get a little love to my man, Roger Ebert, who sometimes gets them right, sometimes gets it wrong. But he did get this one right. And he says something that, that, that I really do like, which this is a movie that allows its kids to be kids. That shows them the insular world of imagination and dreaming that children create entirely apart from adult domains and values. And again, the whole idea that this movie allows kids to be kids. And we we spoke about that, that that whole notion. I mean, this is this is entirely through their perspective. Mm -hmm. We only have really three adults in the entire film, right? For how long? And they're not they're not even in there for, you know, for very long at all. So just wanted to talk about that (laughs) briefly. But I do have questions for you. Okay. So you, you, I do want to touch on something that you said, and I had talked about it earlier about imagination, right? And, um, I, it's, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Like, I do not think you should grow up. I mean, there's a lot of things you should grow up in, but I think that, like, I tell my wife all the time, thank you so much for not making me grow up because I think that, you know, imagination and creativity and, and that sense of wonder. Mm. I think it brings just so much more color to the world. Um, so I think maybe that's why I love this movie so much too. It reminds me of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah like I, I completely agree. Completely you got to dream. You have to dream. You have to just never stop being a kid at heart. Right. Nope. That's our PSA to the, to the listeners. That's right. Do not grow up. Always dream. I'm going to put like the, the more, you know, jingle right there. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Never grow up. Always dream. All right. Here we go. Five questions for you. One of which actually two of which you should, you should know right off the bat. I'll fail them. All right. What is the name of the beast? Hercules. Hercules. In what year does this movie take place? Um, 1962. 1962. That is correct. All right. Now they get harder. They get harder. Um, finish this line. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. But legends never die. Said yeah. by Babe Ruth. Yep. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the rival baseball team the kids play? Oh. I think it's something stupid like the champions or something. I mean, you'd think so, but I mean, it's, 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 it's the tigers. It's the tigers. tigers. Another bad name. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, this is, this is, this is, there's really no wrong answer. It's just to see how many players on the team you can remember. Can you remember who can you remember from the team? Like from the crew? Yeah. Uh, ham, mm-hmm. Benny smalls repeat. Mm-hmm. squints that's all i got so not bad i think you nailed five of them right off the bat so i'm gonna take a perfect score so well Thanks. done good sir <laughs> i appreciate it so yeah i mean obviously you know good cast not a ton of real recognizable like a-list names but i think everybody did a great job and uh critically it's done well the I mean, it, it was a little bit it was a little bit more positive than mixed, but the audiences redeemed it box office wise. It made about thirty seven, not a ton, but it had a low budget. So the movie, all things, all things being equal, it's done good. And of course, it certainly has survived really well, like on, uh, you know, on cable and 
not I mean, it's 30 it. years old. I mean, yeah, for a movie that is shit, literally going to be 30 years old. It's done really well. It's it's part like it's ingrained within within our culture. So mm-hmm. whether it's a Fourth of July movie, whether it's a, a kid's coming of age story, whether it's a, uh, a, a a throwback to an element of like Americana or or any of those definitely those things we think of. It's a great movie that holds up. And as you said at the outset or maybe like halfway through, you know, if uh, if if movies still exist 100 years from now, I think people will be watching and being like, man, what a time to be alive. Uh, they 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 had it. They had it pretty good. They had it pretty good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yeah. agree. Um, well, I don't have anything else. Anything else to say. Do you? Or I can't remember if there was anything else that you wanted or we, we tapped it. No, I, I think. um I think we definitely touched on everything that I wanted to and probably a little more. Um, Just a, you know, great movie that I really enjoyed talking about and kind of exploring a little more and taking a stroll down memory lane with you, too. Well, man, Brandon, thank you very much. This was a lot of fun just going back and looking at this movie. It's it's a joy. It's an absolute joy talking about this movie. And yeah, you said it had probably been about 10 years it probably had been 20 maybe or, you know, uh, that I probably saw from credit to credit, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely fun to revisit. So thank you very much for doing that. Well, thank you for having me again. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it was Mr. Brandon Krisky. Feel free to say goodbye to all the, the fine uh, listeners out there. And if there's anybody that, or anything that you want people to know about you, you've got an opportunity to plug, plug away. All right. Um, well, thank you, all these fine listeners, for joining us again. Um, and uh, if you're interested in more of my collectible stuff, I'm actually on Instagram, so you can go follow me at uh, Problem Child Collectibles and hit me up there. Love it. And for the listeners, if you're somehow just discovering me, please hit the old subscribe button, like, leave a review, preferably a good review, and uh, definitely take a look at the show notes because I've got all the all the links i'll have brandon's links as well oh brandon yes and share 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 yes share let's let's increase the amount of downloads we've got but yeah take a look at the episode show notes because you'll see uh all my various forms of social media links i'll have brandon's uh his uh his instagram link in there as well and a little information on this movie there was a sequel to this movie it was a direct video i've never seen it i don't know if it's any good It was done by the same filmmaker that did the first one, but he peaked with this one. His very next movie that he directed was Ed, which was another baseball movie. I think it had uh, Joey from Friends and Chimpanzee, I think, was uh, what that movie was all about. Yep. I think you're right. And that was, I think, the last (laughs) movie he did that made it to a box office. Uh, So poor uh, David Mickey Evans. But hey, he, he, he hit a home run with this one, so... We thank you for the Sandlot. Yeah, we thank you very much. And I thank you very much, listeners. And uh, we'll see you next time on another episode of Stamper Cinema. See ya. See ya.